Welcome to the Be CyberFit Podcast, where we're simplifying cybersecurity for everyone. Where we cut through confusing cyberspeak and make cybersecurity simple and easy to digest. I'm one of your hosts, Wendy Battles. And I'm James Tusserone. Together, we're part of Yale University's Information Security Policy and Awareness Team. Our department works behind the scenes to support Yale's mission of teaching, learning, and scholarly research. Ready to get cyber fit with us? Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Be Cyber Fit podcast. We're excited you're here and hope you're ready to get cyber fit with us. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. This is the place to come for information and inspiration to stay safe online and outsmart cyber criminals in simple ways. This podcast is one of the many tools in our toolkit that we use at Yale University to help our faculty, staff, and students build their cyber muscles. And we've just wrapped up our Be Safe, Not Sorry campaign about the importance of reporting suspicious cyber activity. James, we were super busy over the last couple of months connecting with the community about incident reporting. What was the highlight for you? Well, Wendy, one of the biggest highlights for me was learning about the time obligations the Information Security Office has to report these incidents. In some cases, it's as short as 48 hours. And the clock actually starts ticking when we as the user discovered something was suspicious, not when the information security office starts investigating. That was something new that I learned and probably the biggest takeaway from this campaign. You know, James, that was new for me too. One thing that I appreciated was the idea that we shouldn't be embarrassed to report something. Sometimes I think I can feel embarrassed if I've clicked on a link in haste. You know, you're rushing to get somewhere, you click on it as you're running out the door, and then you're like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. There's something to be said for pausing and reporting something. And I love that we have an amazing team in the information security office, and it's actually their job to investigate the tickets that they get. I'm happy to get to work alongside these amazing people, quite frankly. Because, you know, I don't know anything about that stuff. And they know a lot. You're so right. We do get to work with such a fantastic team. And I'm so excited that we do. And I'm also excited about today's episode. We're diving into our buzzword from last week, AI, or artificial intelligence. And we're going to be talking about some of the common ways it helps us as individuals, the ways it can help us as organizations, and as a society. Plus, James, we're talking about one of the hottest AI topics, chat GPT. What is it? Should we use it? And how does it relate to our work at Yale? But first, let's get a preview of our buzzword of the day. How often have you been on a new website and the first thing you see is a message asking to accept the use of cookies? My guess is it's pretty common. And do you ever wonder what these cookies are? or what you should do? Stay tuned for some background that'll let us sink our teeth into thinking about cookies. Since we're talking about AI today, I want you to noodle on this idea. I bet there are many ways you're using artificial intelligence in your daily life that you may not even be aware of. 
And here are just a couple of examples of what I mean. If you use any kind of streaming service like Netflix, then you're using AI because when you watch a movie at the end, they'll show you recommendations for other things you might like. That's AI at work. It is part of voice assistants like Siri or OK Google or Alexa. It's used in internet searches and also chatbots. I was chatting with Amazon the other day about a package that didn't show up and it was really easy to do so. So there are many ways that AI can simplify our lives. But there are also other ways that it complicates things. A simple example is an article I read a few days ago about how AI is being used by companies to reduce costs for copywriting. It's cheaper to use AI to have copy written for your website than to hire people. And in this article, two people were talking about how they had been downsized out of their jobs because companies wanted to cut costs. And that seemed like a way to do that. But as we'll discuss, AI can't provide the nuanced content and conversations that a human can because, in fact, one of the companies, James, decided after moving to use AI to do the writing that they actually wanted to hire this individual back because they were missing out on some of those things that a computer just can't generate. James, what about you? What's one way that you use AI? So I've actually got one of those ways that most people probably also use, but don't really think about. And it's optimized charging for my smartphone. Basically, the feature allows my device to learn my usage and my charging habits. And then it optimizes how my device charges to prolong the battery life and the health of the battery. So it's a really interesting use of AI that most of us probably have turned on, but don't know that it's AI or even realize that we have turned on. And another really interesting way that I've used AI recently is testing out ChatGPT to do some research for some common and simple information. Now, Wendy, I know you know what ChatGPT is, but for those of our listeners who may not, it's an AI-powered chatbot similar to the chatbot you just mentioned. And at its core, you can use it like any other chatbot to ask questions. And the AI component in ChatGPT allows it to learn and evolve as more and more questions are answered. So have you ever had the opportunity to use ChatGPT, Wendy? James, I honestly haven't. I know many of our colleagues have. I know that Jeremy our chief information security officer used it to brainstorm ideas for the name of our cyber bee, which was fun, but I personally have not used it. It is a really powerful tool and you can use it for so many different things. For instance, I read a story recently about a lawyer who used ChatGPT to try to come up with cases as precedent for a case he was working on. And ChatGPT came through. Or at least it seemed like it did until the opposing counsel discovered none of the cases actually existed. ChatGPT had sourced and provided completely fake court cases. So crazy. I just have to add that is so insane. I read that same article, James, and I was like, what? It really is crazy. And what was interesting to me was when I was signing up for ChatGPT, the fine print actually stated that the system may occasionally generate incorrect or misleading information. So for me, I think one of our key takeaways is that artificial intelligence, especially ChatGPT, does not necessarily guarantee accuracy. 
Well, first of all, it's like, why wouldn't the attorney do the due diligence to just confirm that this was true, that these cases were true? I mean, with that disclaimer, to me, that's such a big red flag. And I get using it for some fun things or like, I want to write a poem about X. And I can see doing that. But when it comes to your livelihood, your work, and it needs to be accurate and correct, hello. I don't think I'd be using ChatGPT. I know I wouldn't be using ChatGPT in, in a case like that. So we have to approach it with caution. That's what it tells me. So we've got ChatGPT as a great example of how it can work in certain ways, but we have to be mindful about using it. I also want to expand the conversation a bit AI talking about some other ways that it shows up for us. And it, it, in fact, could be helpful. And that's with generating images. So many of us do work where we need images of some kind to accompany perhaps writing that we're doing. Chat GPT is text-based, but there also are AI-generated images that we can access. A recent application that's now available to consumers is called Adobe Firefly. It's one of the many applications in the Adobe suite. And the idea is it is a graphic tool. And the purpose is really to make it easier for customers to create images. And they can do that using this AI tool. So that part is all good. And it seems like, well, what wouldn't I like about that, James? Right? I can more easily create images that I need. But like everything, there's the downside to it as well. James, back in season one, in one of our episodes, we talked with Carrie Tomlinson, who is a fellow cybersecurity awareness expert, and we did an episode about deep fakes. And a lot of deep fakes is altering images. And cyber criminals will alter images or videos and make them look real to our eye, at least perhaps our untrained eye, when they're really not. So the downside of being able to generate these images so quickly is that People will use them to steal our money, our identity, to get at us in different ways. And that's definitely a red flag in my book. So, Wendy, this is actually a really great topic and one of my favorite episodes from last season. I think it's so important to talk about how cyber criminals use AI-generated images to make their attacks more believable. And it doesn't stop at AI-generated images. I've actually heard that bad actors are using ChatGPT to clean up and improve their text-based attacks like phishing messages as well. But back to AI-generated images. One story that comes to mind for me is one that I believe we also shared last season, and it was about a C-suite executive who we'll call Executive A, who had a virtual meeting with another executive who we'll call Executive B. And about a week or so later, Executive A met Executive B in the hall and started talking about their conversation from their meeting. And Executive B had no idea what was going on because it wasn't actually them who was on the call. There was an AI-generated version of Executive B that carried out an entire conversation with Executive A never being the wiser. So, of course, these executives, I'm sure, have a lot of images and audio files, videos about them out there in the world, which probably makes it a lot easier to create these deepfake images. But... It really is thought-provoking. It is. And, you know, I don't want to be all doomsday about things, about all the negative aspects of it, because obviously, as we're talking about, there's a balance. 
there's all the good stuff about AI, and then there's the not so good things, and especially with cyber criminals, because you know they will leverage any and all platforms any way they can. I thought it was interesting when you talked about how they use Chat GPT to improve the output of what they're using in phishing messages. But I, I guess I'm not surprised. I, I, the thing I will say is that at Yale University, you might be thinking, well, you know, I work at Yale or I teach at Yale or I'm a student at Yale. Are there ways that we're using AI to make positive change? And the answer is yes. They are using AI in many different ways at Yale Medicine from helping to diagnose prostate cancer to using it to help with clinical decision-making for liver cancer to even providing 3D modeling for facial plastic surgery. So I appreciate, James, that despite all of the challenges of AI, the limitations, the, the negative things, how it's one more way people can use it to trick us, there also are so many benefits and we can see them at play in real life at Yale. And that part is exciting. It's exciting to see what can be possible by being able to use this technology to honestly make the world a better place, right? Be able to support people being healthier, being diagnosed more quickly so that they can get treatment more quickly. There are some really good things that are happening with it. And I think those kind of point to that. Absolutely. And Artificial intelligence has already been around for a while, so it's had an opportunity to evolve and to get better and to be able to help us do more things. Another really interesting point in terms of healthcare that I think it's important to mention is how the FDA, or the Food and Drug Administration, now actually evaluates AI tools in much the same way that they review drugs and other medical devices. That's interesting, James. And it makes me feel a little better that there is some degree of oversight about the industry, because just like with new drugs, we want to know that it's quote unquote safe, right? So I think that's at least a step in the right direction. With that note about all the good and bad about AI, let's check in on our buzzword of the day. Here's the buzz on cookies. Let's get started by discussing the general function behind them. Websites place cookies on your web browser so the site can recognize you in the future and track you over time. Some of the most common examples of cookie use you might be familiar with include remembering your user ID or preferences for a website, providing autofill capability when filling out a web form, and offering a digital shopping cart you can return to later. Now let's dive a little deeper and talk about the two main types of cookies we should know about, single-session cookies and persistent cookies. Single-session cookies, or just session cookies, are only used while navigating the website that created them and are automatically deleted when the session ends. Session cookies help with website navigation like using the back button and keeping items in a shopping cart. Persistent cookies, sometimes called multi-session cookies, remain on your device and record information every time you visit the site associated with them. Persistent cookies can be useful for remembering your account username across multiple visits and even helping to prevent fraud. These are also the cookies that track your behavior over time and allow for building a profile of the user's history with the site. Now finally, we can also categorize cookies by where they come from. First-party cookies are created directly by the website you're using. 
They're often used to track your personal preferences and improve your user experience. And these first-party cookies are typically considered the safer variety. Third-party cookies, on the other hand, are generally from a third party that's different from the website you're browsing. These cookies are used by advertisers and for analytics to track users' browsing histories across sites that leverage the ads. Now, the introduction of legislation like the e-privacy directive and the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, address data protection, the confidentiality of electronic communications, and the broad tracking of internet users. This at least in part includes cookies. And one easily recognizable effect is the increase in cookie consent requests we encounter on websites. Ultimately, deciding whether or not to consent to accepting these cookies is up to you. Here's a few tips to consider in terms of managing your cookies. Just as we would be cautious when browsing unknown sites, we should also be cautious when accepting cookies from unknown sites. Evaluate the ease of use cookies can provide compared with the risk and availability of the data being stored in the cookie. And consider clearing your browser cookies on a regular schedule, for instance, monthly. Now that you know what cookies are, where they come from, and what they do, you're prepared to make an educated decision when encountering them. And you can keep building your cyber muscles and adding know-how to your cybersecurity toolkit by continuing to listen to the Be Cyberfit podcast. We're simplifying cybersecurity for everyone and helping you to be aware, to be prepared, and to be cyberfit. We talked a lot about artificial intelligence and how it's being used in our daily life the ways that we often use it and don't even think about, that are very subtle, how it's being used in helpful ways, larger ways for society, and the negative aspects of artificial intelligence, how people can use it against us, specifically cyber criminals, just another method for them to steal our money, identity, other things. Let's talk about what we can do about it. We have a few simple calls to action. The first is that we have a very interesting article in Forbes magazine about ChatGPT that breaks it down in simple ways. So if you want to learn more about ChatGPT, this is a great place to start. We also encourage you to listen to our interview with Carrie Tomlinson from season one for a deep dive into this idea of deep fakes. You can learn more about how artificial intelligence is used to trick us through the idea of coming up with fake personas and images. And then finally, we're looking to the article about Yale Medicine where you can read more about the very important work that's going on. This article is really interesting because it talks about how Yale Medicine is advancing research to target many different medical conditions. And that brings us to the end of our show. Until next time, as always, I'm here with Wendy Battles, and I'm James Tusserone. We'd like to thank everyone who helps make this podcast possible, and we'd like to thank Yale University, where this podcast is produced and recorded. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, it only takes simple steps to be cyber fit. <laughs>